Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 1. We'll begin there today. Psalm 1. We've been talking about following a plan, and we're going to stick with that for a little while, as long as the Lord leads us in that direction. Psalm 1 is not like some of the other psalms. It's not a psalm of, of praise, but it's a, it's a psalm nonetheless, and it teaches us, and it kind of paves the way for the entire book, or at least book 1 of the psalms, which is Psalm 1 through 41. You know, there's no real breakdown. You know, it wasn't canonized that way, but, you know, men have broken it down to that point, but... Psalm 1 starts out, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, meaning wicked, bad people, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord. And in his law, or his word, does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper Father we love you, we praise you and we bless you we thank you as always for your blessed holy word and the anointing upon it we thank you for our ears to hear your word our hearts to receive it and our minds to be open to the glorious light of it thank you for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, for spiritual freedom in a free country. We thank you for freedom to pray, praise, speak, and teach your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. We thank you, dear Father, again for your safety and protection. Jesus prayed not to take us out of this world, but to protect us from the evil one. So we thank you for your protection from loss, harm, damage, injury, and inclement weather. We thank you, dear Father, for the blood of Jesus. We speak it, we apply it, we sprinkle it in our lives and the lives of our families. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the authority of the blood. We thank you for the peace we, we have and were afforded because of the blood. So we honor you today as we study your word getting revelation heart knowledge of your word to act upon it, laying the foundation and plans for our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll just briefly review a little bit of parts one and two of following a plan. We said that a lot of people, Christians included, live a fly-by-the-seat mentality that whatever happens, happens. They get up in the morning without any kind of plan for the day. They, they go about their lives with no plan. I don't mean that they, they don't plan, that they go to work, they come home, you know, go to work the next day. Uh, there, there's, there's not a definite goal. They don't have goals. They don't have aspirations. Some people don't have any dreams. If you ask them what their goals are, what they intend to do with their life, and, and you look around at people sometimes and you think, uh, and not, not in judging people, but you wonder, uh, 
Are they happy because, you know, they just seem to exist? And you know people like that. And that, that's why we as members of the body of Christ can't have that kind of an attitude. We have to have uh, uh, visions. The Bible tells us without a vision, the people perish. Without a, a goal in life, the people perish. Without something uh, of aspiration. So we have to know that we have a general plan for our lives, the, uh, a general plan of God for our lives. We said it because we say that because God said it in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. He tells us it's to prosper us, and, and we're, we're to have a some kind of an aspiration, some kind of a, a truth behind our life. Uh, you, you see this in a lot of elderly people. Did you ever visit an elderly person and? and you know, some of them, you know, not, not, I'm saying this, not describing anyone personally. Don't, don't think of anyone personally. But it seems like some are waiting to go on. They'll even tell you. You know, they're waiting to die. They're waiting to go on and be with the Lord. They don't have anything. But, but God has a plan for all of our lives. We can be used up until the very day that we go home. We can go on. So, or we go on. So there, there's a general plan that we need to follow through that. And we saw Brother Hagin's prophecy that's 49 years old this month. We, I won't read that again, but we have it printed. And he said, basically, he said, yield to the God of the universe. And he'll bring about this plan for your life. So we said that the general plan was to, number one, live a life of faith. Number two, put God's word first. And we have... Uh, lots of scripture to back this up and we have it listed if, and some of it printed out if you, you know, if you desire that. We said number three was to maintain an attitude of praise and worship. An attitude of praise and worship. That doesn't mean that you have to go around you know, uh, constantly praising and worship. But, you, know, it's, uh, you have a one track mind. You have to do w uh, what you're doing at the time. You, know, you can't be uh, and of course we're going to look at that a little bit more in depth today but you know, it, it's not something that you're going to be, you're going to break out in song in the middle of doing something. But, we, you know, we have to understand this is how it's written. Maintain an attitude of praise and worship. Psalm 34, verse 1 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Well, you have to temper that down to what you're doing today. You know, if you're making a speech somewhere... You know, it's hard to... to uh, I know people talk out of both sides of their mouth. Maybe not at the same time. But we don't... Our aspirations are not to follow them. We said number four was to live in God's peace. Live in God's peace. We studied that in great length and we'll continue to study it. Number five is to cast your cares upon Him and leave Him there. 1 Peter 5, 7. In the Amplified, casting the whole of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns. I always add fears in there. It's not written in the Amplified, but all your fears onto him, for he cares for you affectionately, cares about you watchfully. So, we're to do that. Leave him with him. Don't take him back. Number six, we said to rely on his wisdom. James chapter one is the ultimate wisdom opening that you'll find. Especially verses 5 through 8. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He'll give it to him liberally, without finding fault. Liberally. So we, we 
are entitled to ask him for liberal amounts of godly wisdom. But he said, let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he who wavers like a wave of the sea, tossed to and fro, let not that man think that he'll receive anything from God. And he goes on to tell you why. Because he's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So uh, when we ask for wisdom, we need to ask in faith. We said number seven was to be a doer of his word, not just a hearer. Of course, James chapter 1 is the ultimate doer of the word opening. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. We said that's our general plan. We have a specific plan too. Geared to our own individual needs. We have to see ourselves strong. We have to see ourselves worthy. We have to see ourselves as overcomers. And we have to rely on his strength, not our own, to accomplish any goals. That was our first part of our uh, series, following a plan. Last week we said that even with a vision, with a plan, with a revelation, you know, one translation says, without a revelation, the people perish. You know, they don't exist. There's a simple formula to live in in that. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 tells us that Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Number two, lean not to your own understanding. Number three, in all your ways acknowledge him. All your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Number four. Four part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Don't lean on your own understanding. Easy four-part scenario on how to handle that. He'll lead us. And and if you see, you know, it's not broken down in steps that way, but we have to pull this out of there. And, And also, in Isaiah 48, verse 17, it says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. What's the New Testament counterpart to that? John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. People are worried, concerned. They get in fear that they're listening to the wrong voice. You are a Christian. The real you will lead you. The inner person. The Holy Spirit is in there. He'll guide you into all truth. He's not going to guide you along the wrong path. If you're believing Him for wisdom, if you're listening to His voice, if you're in worship and praise, it's, it's a safe guide. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He'll speak. And He'll tell you things to come. And here, you know, this is where a lot of people, you know, run into the wall. But it's not, you know, Jesus said this, it's not that complicated. If you read the four Gospels and read the the print in red, there's nothing that he says in there that's overly complicated. I know that. I've read it. You know, and I'm not a Rhodes Scholar. I can understand it. I can get it in my heart. You can too. He'll tell you things to come. He'll guide you into all truth. And he's still hearing today. He says, 
Whatever he hears, he'll speak. He's still hearing. And he's still speaking. So we thank God for it. We also said last week that we have to pull on our heritage. We have to pull on our heritage. Go back to, the, to today's. Our heritage is our inheritance. We said that in, in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, no weapon, we know this, we, we need to know this and have it in our hearts, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And any tongue that rises in judgment will condemn. For this is the heritage, the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. And his righteousness, he's saying his righteousness, our righteousness, is in him. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. That's our heritage. We have to pull on that. We get out of whack sometime, but in, in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, not on there? All right, I'll read it. How about that? Last week we didn't have the projector. I had to read them all. Can you imagine that? The old-fashioned way. Romans chapter 8, though, if you have your Bible, it says, this, verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, that's our heritage, and joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So we've got to pull on our heritage, on our inheritance. And our heritage is living in Him, staying in faith, walking in faith, living in faith. The just shall live by faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Rely on Him and trust in Him. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 tells us, flat out, in no uncertain terms. With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are impossible. So the first time that a man tells you something is impossible, you know, it might be the best news you've heard yet. Because with men, this is impossible. That's what Jesus said. When we looked at the story of the rich young ruler, the rich young man, he said, how am I going to get into heaven? What, what do I have to do? He said, good master. He said, why do you call me good? Nobody good but father. He said, what do I have to do to be saved? He said, keep the commandments. He said, well, I've done that from youth. Jesus said, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Follow me. Guy went away sad. Why? He said, it's easier for a rich man, or for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Why? With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So we pull on our heritage. And we said too that we have a part to play. We have something to do. James 1.22 Be doers of the word, not hearers only. 
deceiving our own selves. It's up to us to find out, we said, who we are in Him. We look, I told you that little in Him book of Brother Hagin's has 155 scriptures that are in whom, by whom, in Christ, by Christ, for whom. It's all laid out there for us in black and white. All we have to do is look them up and read them, study them. We'll go over a couple of them right now. We skipped over this last week. We'll go over a couple of them. Today's. In Colossians chapter 2, we'll see something here. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. We're just going to look at a couple examples of this. I don't want to just tell you they're in a little book. Pick up the book and read it. No, we're going to look at a couple of them. And we'll see a couple of in him and in whom's through this, but there's one that I want to key on particularly. As you therefore, verse 6, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, here it is, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, in bodily form. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Now that says quite a bit in those five verses. But if you grab onto these two, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, bodily in him, in the body of Christ, in your body, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That's angels, demons, every area of principality and power. He's the head. And you're complete in him. You're made perfect, mature in him. See, it's up to us to find out these things. You know, if, if someone hadn't told me to study the Word, I wouldn't know it. I know I found out a lot of things later in life that I thought I knew. A lot of you have the advantage of finding out these things at a young age. And you can live in this if Jesus tarries all your life. Acts chapter 17 is another one. And you don't think of the book of Acts as a place to look up who you are in Christ. But this is one of the best that you're going to find. Start with verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the uh, of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're very religious. You ever run into a religious person? I didn't say Christian, I said a religious person. For as I was passing through and considering the object, objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, 
to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all the things, and all things, and he is made from one blood, or from one, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now look at this. For in him, in him, we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we're also his offspring. We're heirs of his, aren't we? Children of God, heirs. If children of then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, we're also of his offspring. Also his offspring. You know, a lot of us found that out late in life. But you don't have to. It's in the Word. We have, in Him we live and move and have his, our being. We're complete in Him. We have life in Him. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, you know, the dividing point there between good and evil. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I've heard football players quote that in the last couple of weeks. That the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, he does. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, we have life in him. Look at John chapter 1. We're still reviewing, by the way. This is something that I, I missed last week. So we're going to... We'll get started on today's here in a second. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness didn't comprehend it. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. Light of man. Didn't say of angels, did it? Or demons. It says... In him was life, and that life was the light of man. If you don't know that about yourself, you've got to find out. And over in verse 14 of chapter 3. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believes in him. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, if you just stop there, like so many doctrines do, you know, I grew up in a denominational church, all of you know that. We, they taught a few scriptures. We, we had a few scriptures memorized. We went to vacation Bible school every summer, memorized a couple more. Of course, everyone knew John 3.16. You know, the, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble, right? 
So if you just say, what, do you believe in God? Yes. I mean, I believed in God all through my, my life. I've never had a day in my life that I didn't believe in God, but I wasn't born again all my life. I wasn't born into his family. Why? Because I didn't know it. I wasn't taught that. I went to church. Religiously, we went to church every Sunday. My mom didn't even drive. We got to church somehow. But until I got born again, I wasn't in the family of God. I mean, we if you stop right there and saw that, we all believe in him. The devil believes in him more than any of us, probably. But we're born into the family. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. But if you stop studying that right there, you wouldn't know that. So we've got to go on and find out who we are. Faith for salvation is childlike faith. Ephesians chapter 2. I didn't give you that one? Okay. We've got to see this. Verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, Remember, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. There's a with Christ scripture. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've talked about that. That's a positional seating. We're there right now positionally. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You can give a child a gift, right? It's childlike faith. For your salvation. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. For we're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. That we should walk. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. Thank God. Living a life of faith. Takes action on our parts. First of all. Getting born again. Then after that it's a progression. And we saw, we're not going to turn to it, but in, we saw in James chapter 2 that faith without corresponding action is dead. Dead faith. So that brings us up to date. To today. Following the plan part 3. And we saw in Psalm 1. Go back to Psalm 1 if you would, Bill. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law or the word of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Meditates day and night. We've got to understand that this Hebrew word for meditates is different than the English word. The word meditates 
And this is part of following our plan. The word meditates, we've talked about before, is Haga, 1897 in the Strong's, in the Hebrew. It means to reflect, to moan, to mutter, to ponder, to make a quiet sound such as sighing, to meditate or contemplate something as one repeats the words. Haga represents something quite unlike the English meditation, which may be a mental exercise only. In Hebrew thought, to meditate upon the scriptures is to quietly repeat them in a soft droning sound, while utterly abandoning outside distractions. From this tradition comes a specialized type of Jewish prayer called davening, or davening, I don't, I don't know if it's long A or short A, doesn't matter, that is reciting texts, praying intense prayers, or getting lost in communication with God, while bowing or rocking back and forth. Evidently, this dynamic form of meditation and prayer goes back to David's time. So I guess it would be Davening, D-A-V-E-N-I-N-G. Now, we have to, as far as our meditating the word, we have to bring this to uh, definition to our times by getting it in our heart and speaking it to ourselves throughout the day. You're not going to be doing much davening or davening, probably, in whatever you do during the day. But you can still meditate the Word. You can still speak it. You know, the first two parts of our general plan are living a life of faith and putting God's Word first. And, and part of that would be meditating His Word. We see that in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, the same thing. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, haga, in it day and night, that you may observe to do. Why? As you speak this word constantly, you get it in your heart. Through the mind, into the heart, right? You get it in there, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you make your way prosperous, then you have good success. I don't think it's that tough of a formula myself. I haven't done much davening or davening, but I can, I can speak the word. You can speak the word to yourself wherever you are, whether you're in your car, whether you're in your uh, room at home, whether you're at work, at school. I don't mean you, can be, you can't be speaking the word to yourself, speaking to somebody else at the same time. Or you can't be, uh, I know they told us at Rama, you know, you can't be preaching a sermon, running a cash register, if that's what you do. You, you know, and I had to do a lot of that when I was at school, so I didn't get to preach much. They told us, they're not paying you to preach. They're paying you to work. You do the job that you're, you know, if somebody asks you a question and you have time to answer them, that's one thing. And you always have those openings. But somebody's paying you to do something, you do that job. It's unchristlike doing anything else. But there's going to come a time when you can. So you can be speaking the word, meditating on it. That's part of the specific plan, too. That ought to be part of our specific plan. You know, it fits in several areas in the general plan. Meditating his word. Number two, staying full of the word and the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5. 
Now this is this is not directed to anybody because no one here is a drunkard. But of course people, you know, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, not unlike the church today. He said, Don't be drunk with wine. The verse above that he actually says or, or the statement above that he says therefore don't be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess but be filled with the spirit one translation says be being filled with the spirit it's a continual thing how speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord you know, that's, that's a wonderful way, just singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's where we get a lot, you know, a lot of our testimonies. We can praise the Lord. We can speak to people. Speak to each other. Speak to the Lord. He goes on to say, we don't have it up there, but he says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to maintain that. That's part of it. Staying full of the Holy Spirit. It coincides with meditating the Word. Speaking that Word constantly. You stay full of His Word. You stay so full of His Word and the Holy Spirit, you can draw on it and draw on Him through any adversity or any opportunity to share it. It's vitally important. Because people are going to ask you something someday... What are you going to do? Get out your pocket strongs? You've got to draw on what's in your heart. I know it's on your phone. It's everywhere. But you've got to draw what's in your heart. I don't care what kind of a contraption you have to pull it out. It's got to come from your heart. And number three. Let your faith overcome fear. This has got to be uh, part of the general plan and the specific plan. Remember the general plan is seven steps. The, the fourth one is to live in God's peace. What did Jesus say in John 14 in verse 27? My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives peace. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid you have fear in your heart it's polar opposite of faith 2nd Timothy of course chapter 1 and verse 7 is our the famous spirit of fear scripture God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind sound disciplined mind one translation says so fear is a spirit. It comes from spiritual things. And we overcome fear by faith. Polar opposites. They're exact opposites. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. There's no fear in love. Perfect love, complete love, casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you get in fear, your love isn't perfected. Your love for the Lord 
I'll give you an earthly example. You know, you might not want to go up against some six foot nine hulking person with full of muscles with a gun in his hand. But if they attack your family, you become strong. You'd stand in between that person and your family. You'd go after them. You'd be proactive. Why? Because you love your family. I remember one time on the school bus up in up north. Somebody was picking on one of our kids. And their older sister took up for him. Not because she could whip this kid, probably in a natural realm, but she wasn't going to put up with it. And you all, you've all seen it. You've all had enough of it at times. Well, we need to get enough of it from the devil. What did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. We have to let our faith overcome our fear. There's a spirit behind it. And we have to live in God's peace. That's part of the general plan. Perfect, complete love is what we have to have for him and for the brethren. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Owe no one anything but to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. The royal law of love. It's a royal law. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We'll close with this. A lot of people grab that Romans 13, 8 and say, well, you can't borrow any money. No, you don't, you're not beholding to any person except to love them. And when you love them, you, you give them the word. You see the best in them. We, we know what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 1, therefore be imitators of God. Imitators of God as dear children. Just like dear children imitate their dear parents, right? The King James says followers of God. We're all followers of God. But be imitators of God as dear children imitate their parents and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. We need to walk in that love. Walk in it. Has to be an important part of our general plan and our specific plan for our own lives. Thank God. Meditate His Word. Part of the plan. Stay full of His Word and the Holy Spirit. Part of it. Let your faith overcome fear. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. There's a spirit behind it. God didn't give it to you. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. But he gave you a spirit of power and love and a sound, disciplined mind. We can't have that without the word. It doesn't exist. Be imitators of God. Followers. Imitators as dear children and walk in love. Father, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. As always, we thank you for your blessed, holy word. We thank you, Father, that every answer for every day of our lives is in your word. It's up to us to get it into our hearts, to pound it in there, to meditate it, to speak it, to live it, to act on it, 
to walk in love as Christ loved us. To overcome fear through our faith. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment. And we're not going to live in torment. We're going to live in that love. Complete love for you. For the Lord Jesus Christ. By your Holy Spirit. We honor you and thank you Father. For the privilege of being your vessels upon this earth. In Jesus name.